Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our next guest on Be Brave at Work. Marilee Adams is a founder and president of the Inquiry Institute, which is a consulting, training, and educational organization, on top of which she is also an organizational consultant, facilitator, executive coach, professional speaker, and author. Marilee is the originator of the Question Thinking System, which I hope we will talk a little bit about today, as well as the author of Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Life and Work, which I did not realize prior to us talking today that I owned the book and had read it, and I am thrilled to hear that it has sold over 400,000 copies, is available in over 22 languages, and most of this has been via word of mouth. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, Marilyn. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you. I did a quick overview of your background, mm-hmm. and I know there is so much more to you than what I have said. So I think our listeners would love to hear a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're currently interacting in the marketplace. Well, that's a two-part question. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to be talking about questions. We, we today, will so. be. Um, so... I'll do what I'm doing in background first, and then we'll talk about the marketplace. So my friends affectionately call me a question nerd, and I think it's accurate. My first book was The Art of the Question, and this one is Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, and also a workbook. So Change Your Questions, Change Your Life workbook, which also came out in August, as did the fourth edition of Change Your Questions. And the company is really designed around the material that's in those books and how practical and life-changing it can be both personally and professionally. So that has taken us, by I mean the company, to all around the world, actually. And now one of the things that was positive for us during COVID is that everything went online and so our global reach got larger And the people who come to us are ones who are either fascinated by inquiry and question asking and think they should be better. And then there are also people who are just afraid to ask questions and figure we could help them with that. And 
that's what we do. It's our sweet spot. And it makes a difference in business. It makes a difference in relationships. It makes a difference in things like strategic planning. It makes a difference in coaching and leadership and sales. I could go on and on. There is no place where being a better thinker and a better communicator and a better question asker doesn't make a difference. Well, I think curiosity is a significant player in the experience we have in life. And I think maybe I'm a question nerd observer because <laughs> I don't think of myself as a question nerd yet. But I do believe in life and at work and especially in opportunities to be braver at work, where one of the key behaviors you want to demonstrate is presence with the person you're talking to is curiosity, right? To not think you have all the answers, but to be more curious. But before we get there, in Change Your Question, Change Your Life, you also mentioned that you just recently published a workbook. And what does the workbook provide me? If I'm curious about getting better at inquiry and asking questions, what will the workbook help you? I am very glad you asked that question because it's a not a typical workbook that just has lines for reflection. And what this workbook does is take the reader through a learning and growing journey similar to what the hero in Change Your Questions goes through. Change Your Questions is actually a story, and all of the tools and the practical aspects of it are integrated throughout the story. So in the workbook, it's designed so the reader or the user, because I hope they're interacting and really using it, go through the same learning journey as our hero, Ben. And what that starts with is selecting a situation to work on that's relevant and important, that they can use the material in the book to make an explicit difference with that particular situation. So they're working that situation throughout the whole book. And the goal is to have new thinking about an old situation such that people can take different actions and get different results. And that is what happens with the workbook. And we've been getting emails and notes about it, like, oh my, this really works. This really got me what I was looking for. I could see a change. And I'll mention one other thing that we could go into some, that you mentioned question thinking before. And what I'm referring to there is First, the recognition of that we think with questions, which is not a typical thing to realize, but realizing it gives us great power when we are able to notice the questions we're asking, assess whether they're useful, and change them if we think others will be. The other part of that system is working with their mindsets. And so all of us have two mindsets one I call judger, one I call learner, and mostly. The obstacles we have in life come from our judger mindsets, which everyone has. It's not like a, a strange thing. Every one of us have it. It's neurologically based. And when we can observe it and learn how to manage it well, it gives us tremendous power to be able to change our thoughts and then we can change everything else. So the workbook and the fable book both take the reader and the user through that journey with explicit tools so that they learn something not just about their particular situation, but so that they can use those tools in different situations ongoingly. 
And then just one thing I'll mention is in the workbook, as in the fable book, there is a tool called the choice map. And it's a visual. It looks somewhat like a cartoon. And it outlines those two mindset paths, the judger path and the learner path. And since this is an audio podcast, those of you in the audience can't see it. So I invite you to go to my website, which is www.inquiryinstitute.com, and you can download a free copy of the choice map. You'll take a quick little quiz, but then you have it. And in many ways, it's self-evident and I hope will be very useful to you. And if you find it useful, send us an email at Inquiry Institute. We'd love to hear from you. Well, I would imagine your books, your workbook, the tools available on your website will all be helpful to people who are looking to improve their inquiry. But what about you, Marilee? You know, when did you start recognizing that you had a deep interest in inquiry, curiosity, questions? You know, when did this become such a part of your life? And to some degree, why? Well, we would have to roll back the years a bit here. <laughs> and it wasn't just last it week. It wasn't just last week. I've been doing this a long time. There was a moment when it all came together. And I was after I completed my master's. And no, actually, it was also after I got my doctorate. And I was giving workshops. And the workshops were around body image and eating and healthy ways. And I remember being in a workshop and we're talking about flip charts. So, you know, it's a while ago. <laughs> I still, I still use flip charts. It's not Frankly, that. Uh, I love flip charts, that dating. but I took a pen and drew a line down the middle of the page and said, okay, so there's a part of this that can be really effective and a part of us that can't. They're now called learner mindset and judger mindset. At the time, they were the effective self and the ineffective or the fixed self. And I said, now let's talk about what goes in each column, which we did, which was pretty enlightening. And then because I have a fascination with language, which is different than language is, but a fascination with language and words and how that manages how it affects everything. And so I said, how do these two selves show up in language? And it became quickly apparent that the side that was effective that I now call learner asked lots of questions and very curiosity-derived questions. When we are, and I say we because we all have both mindsets, when we are in what I now call judger mindset, we ask very few questions and mostly within a circumscribed pattern. And they aren't really curiosity questions. They're more like gotcha questions or hurtful questions. And what's important to know is that in both mindsets, we can aim that towards ourselves or towards others. And when we aim our judger mindset towards ourselves, people get to be depressed, upset, or really put down, like putting themselves down, lots of self-doubt. And when we aim our judger questions at others, they tend to land in a way that's dismissive or off-putting. So you can kind of track that and think, well, if I'm asking judger questions, how is that going to help this situation, this person, my career, 
my family, etc. And what's exciting is when people can start to distinguish the two mindsets and the questions that come from each, they almost automatically become more thoughtful, more likely to be able to get to learner and stay there. Although, of course, we all fall off the wagon from time to time and fall into judger. But it's been incredibly gratifying over the years in so many different settings to see how sticky and useful these perceptions are. Well, if somebody wanted to be more of a learner inquiry person versus a judger, are there by chance two or three things that they could do to ensure with self-awareness that they can transition effectively from being a judger to a learner, or does it not work? Oh, no, it does work that way. And I'll answer your question, but first suggest that people download the choice map because it's very practical and it illustrates at exactly what you were just talking about. Okay. So okay. judger, frankly, is our default position because it's when we're being reactive and it's somewhat fear-based and it just is our default position. So when you're looking for things that can make a difference for people, the first thing is just to notice, to become aware. I'll do it with myself. Oh, I'm in judger right now. How do I know? Is it my breathing? Is it feeling tense? Is it noticing that I'm not listening? What are the symptoms? Say, oh, I'm in judger. And the trick here is to be able to notice that non-judgmentally. That is hard to do in the moment. It's very hard to do. And the good news is, and I know this from having worked with thousands of people in different kinds of settings, that when people can begin to notice that, it starts to get easier and easier. And then there is actually a prescription. So once you notice you're in judger, the question would be, am I in judger? The answer would say, yes. How do I know? Well, my jaw is tight. My, I'm not looking at the other person. I don't think I'm even listening to them. And then the next question would be, do I like how I'm showing up? Do I like how I'm thinking? Do I like how I'm feeling? Do I like what I'm doing? If the answer is yes, have a ball. <laughs> if the answer is no, now we're in the territory of asking switching questions. So how would I rather feel? What would I rather be doing? What would make a difference here? And then two other questions that I think are really important switching questions is how else can I think about this, which automatically puts us in a position of noticing our impact on others and thinking about the situation in a larger way. And then one of my favorite switching questions is, given whatever, who do I choose to be in this moment? And if I can ask that question moment by moment by moment and know that my preference is to choose to be learner and knowing that I will never be perfect at it, that's just life, but I can keep choosing it moment by moment by moment. And that builds our ability to move to learner more quickly and easily. And of course, that affects all the people around us as well. Right. You know, I think we all have an objective to be more of a learner inquiry person than a judger, although I would imagine, as you said, judging is our default. So that's kind of where we go 
if our self-awareness is lower. And I'm just wondering, Marilee, you know, for people who want to be braver at work and want to demonstrate more curiosity when they're attempting to be present with the person with whom they're speaking, if possible, you know, what are two or three things that they could do to think about how to be more curious, to demonstrate greater inquiry, to ask better questions? I know it's a very big question, but, you know, if I was having a talk with my boss today about something I didn't think she wanted to hear, you know, what could I do? How could I be more present in respect to curiosity than I might be if I hadn't listened to this podcast? Oh, I have a lot of answers. Do we have a couple hours? (laughs) (laughs) I just need two or three. Yes, I know. We have five hours. But the first thing is to note that it's not making judgments. It's being judgmental. That's the issue. We all have to make judgments, but it's being judgmental that ends up hurting us and hurting other people. But you just put out a scenario. I have to deliver some news that I don't think the other person will be happy to hear. How do I speak it in a way that gets the point across that doesn't make them defensive and that can lead in some kind of positive direction, even though this person may not like the information? So we've already talked about mindsets, and the first thing is to notice your own mindset. And so if you have negative opinions about that person or about the information, then it's time to reset yourself into learner before you open your mouth, because everything will go better after that. And you can say things from learner you could never say effectively from judger. Secondly, I would want to invite the other person to be listening with what I call learner ears. So I'm going to manage whatever I say in such a way that my goal is that that person receive the information that they get, instead of defensive, they get curious about it. And then we talk together about possible solutions so that it's a productive conversation and it's about the topic and the issue, not about the other person. Because I want to get it to the point where the information is received, that it's considered a partnered conversation, a collaborative conversation, and that that person knows that they're on my side and have my support and we can work going forward. Well, I love that. You know, I do believe in every interaction that there is an owner. And I'm not trying to suggest that's always the case 100% of the time. But in most situations, whether I'm hosting a one-on-one conversation, hosting a meeting, you know, hosting a family event, whatever, there's always somebody who owns it the most. And setting up the parameters for the conversation is super, super important. So saying to the person, hey, I have some information that I want to share with you today that might be hard for you to hear. What I would love you to do is to use your learner ears to really listen to what I have to say. I'm not trying to be hurtful. I don't want you to get defensive. It's just you and I talking. But use learner ears to learn more about what it is I'm saying why it is that I'm saying it, you know, versus the easy judgmental way of getting defensive and explaining and, you know, defending, you know, what it was and why you had done it. So I really love that advice. You did a very nice job there of playing out that scenario. Thank you. You're welcome. So Marilee, it has been great having you as a guest on Be Brave at Work. And I would love for you to share how people can get in touch with you or find out more about the Inquiry Institute, because I really do believe that if you do want to be braver at work, you have to get better at inquiry. And it sounds as though Marilee has a number of resources that you can utilize to put on your learner ear and learn more about how to do things a little bit differently 
to say what you need to say and do what you need to do in new and interesting ways. So, Marilee, how can people find out more about you and your organization? Well, that's very simple. Go to www.inquiryinstitute.com. As I said, you can download the choice map for free with a short quiz. There are all kinds of resources on there. There are interviews that I've done. There are blogs that I've done. There are courses that we give. There are a couple of online products. So like there's one about the choice map that has videos and things like that. And I do want to mention something about bravery and courage, since that is your theme. And you and I live in the same territory, Ed, because my world is inquiry. And I think most people know that sometimes it's very challenging to ask questions. And it takes skill, but it also takes courage. And I think the scenario that we did before exhibited part of what I want for people, which is that we engage in what's difficult from a perspective of skill and kindness and an eye on being productive in a way that's going to be useful for both people. And oftentimes, while it takes courage to ask questions and to bring up things that are difficult, usually works out much better. And we don't have to step over something that could have caused an issue if we didn't. So it takes courage to ask questions. It takes courage to be brave at work. And there are tremendous benefits and rewards for doing that. And part of what you're talking about, and if we had more time, we would talk about it. Maybe I'll have you come back for a second appearance on Be Brave at Work is something we call practice, right? It's not as though if I needed to talk to you about something that I know it's going to be hard for you to hear that I just walk in and just start talking about it, right? That it's important first to think about in advance, when do I want to talk about it with you? Why do I want to talk about it with you? What are the benefits of me talking about it with you? What questions can I ask that would be helpful, right? These are all things that you want to do in advance, not for hours. You can find an accountability partner or somebody that you can just say, hey, I want to have a conversation with my boss and it's going to be difficult to hear. Can I run it by you and see what reaction you have, things of that nature. So, you know, you're talking about thinking about it in advance and using curiosity and inquiry as a great way to ensure that the person you're talking to is really listening. I mean, after all, the only reason that we should be talking about somebody in a way that requires bravery is to help them. If we are there to help them, the likelihood of them listening is significantly That's greater. a really great point. And I do want to say we have tools to help people with exactly what you said. One of them is called QPrep, and it's included in the workbook. So it's for helping people prepare for a successful conversation. Fantastic. Well, Marilee, it has been great having you as a guest today on Be Brave at Work. And I'll remind everybody that Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Leadership, Coaching, and Life, I think you said is in the fourth edition? Yes. Well, not to date myself, but mine's the third edition, <laughs> so I'll have to go out and get the newest copy. But thank you so much oh, this is kind for of being pleasure. a guest today. And thank you for the work that you do as well. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore Being Brave at Work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. 
And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.